time i talked about it a little bit later in the show yesterday but if you want to watch what i'm about to tell you about today is the last day you have until midnight tonight and then it'll come down i'm talking about Paige brown my favorite bible teacher in nashville we're going to put the link to this teaching online at themorningcruise.com and it's a little bit of a different teaching for Paige. normally you know it's it's bible study and we just got finished with jonah And she did one additional lesson, and she kept calling it a seminar because I don't even think she wanted to call it a Bible lesson. But she's basically teaching on why it's so important (laughs) to to read your Bible, to study your Bible, to, to read your Bible. And I just feel like, oh, my goodness, if there was a way that I could encourage everybody to watch this, I just highly, highly recommend it. It's about an hour and 20 minutes long. But she's just talking about why it's so important to cling to the scriptures. And I think that there's a segment of believers uh, these days. I mean, do we all struggle with passages in the Bible? Yes. Do we have doubts sometimes? Yes. Are there things that we don't understand? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Check, check, check. Mm -hmm. But I also know that it's God's word. And just because I don't understand everything or just because I have questions, it doesn't, I don't say... I don't just throw the whole thing out and say, well, it doesn't make sense to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to toss it. And I feel like today, you know, I really want to differentiate between folks who have um, doubts and questions because there's room for that. There's grace for that. You know, ask the Lord to help you understand, get under good teaching. Mm-hmm. But I believe there's another segment to where there's just this push against the Bible where mm-hmm. they just want to say things like, um, well, it was written by man. You know, I'm a Christ follower. I want to be more like Jesus. That's why I'm going to set aside the scriptures. Not the whole scriptures, just the uh, the, the ones that you don't like. Right? Yeah, yeah. But there's some that they just they say mm-hmm. I'm a Christ follower, but I'm not about the Bible. Yeah. And Paige and this whole message is basically talking about why that is just incompatible. And right. here's a clip from her teaching. It is only in the scripture that we learn who Jesus was what he did for those of us who are tempted as we all are because it sure does sound good and work right to pick and choose which scriptures we think are important which scriptures we think are binding it's like there's no way in 2023 the lord means this in his word you start playing fast and loose with god's word you're also playing fast and loose with the word that says god came in the womb of a virgin as the incarnate, fully divine, fully human son of man, lived a perfect life, died on a Roman cross, was physically and eternally resurrected from the dead. You start cutting out your own parts, you might need to start cutting out those parts because the same is the source for both. That's Paige Brown. We're going to put a link to this teaching um, at themorningcruise.com. And again, it'll be up through midnight tonight. And it's so great if you just want to arm yourself, if you just want to feel more confident 
especially when you're talking to some of your some of your friends that may not put as much stock in the Bible as you do. If you want to feel confident that our stake really is in the right place, oh my goodness, watch this teaching. <laughs> A few minutes ago, we were listening to Carmen, to Paige Brown, mm-hmm. who, again, that's only available till tonight. Yeah. And I wish that it weren't. I wish it were I know, more available. I know. It's so good. Because we just have such a passion. You mm-hmm. know, if, if you had a a, a, a love, mm-hmm. <laughs> a boyfriend, girlfriend, mm-hmm. and they wrote you love letters. Did, did you ever have this happen? They wrote you love letters and you kept them. Mm-hmm. For as long as that relationship was alive, it mm-hmm. might have been a teenage romance that eventually you moved on and you threw them away or whatever. But you hang on to things like that because it's special, because it's important, because it's from the heart and it, it reflects a relationship. And what the Bible is at one level is kind of like that. It, just think about this for a second. If God wants you to know him, how's he going to bring that knowledge? Mm-hmm. You know, I've had conversations with with my teenagers. One of my teenagers in a moment of frustration said, why doesn't he just make it obvious? Why doesn't he just pull back the sky? Will you stop and think about that for just a minute? If God did that, who in the world would be left with a choice Mm. Mm -hmm. that is necessary for love? Mm. Because then you just be like, well, you know, the sky's peeled back and now everybody's just like bowing in abject fear mm, and, mm-hmm. and and slavery in that kind of sense. God does not want that for the people that were made in his image. He wants us to love him. How's he going to communicate this if he works concretely in history? He's 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 moving toward his people after the fall, after Adam and Eve in the garden said, "You know what, God? I know you're the creator. I know we're the creatures. I know we're made in your image and you want us to love you and to obey you. But we've got a better plan." We're going to do this our way. That's what humanity has said to God. Mm-hmm. So there's not really room for two gods, so you move out of the way. We'll take over. That's what humanity has said. Mm-hmm. God, rather than saying, well, then I'll wipe you out, mm-hmm. has said, no, then I will send my son mm-hmm. to bleed and die for you, to take your sin because I'm going to love you. Mm-hmm. And then, because he did that in time and space and history in the person and work of Jesus— he then gave, through the apostles and prophets, the word mm-hmm. so that we could know him. It's like a love letter. Yeah. So that we can have a relationship with him. It's interesting that you bring up that analogy because last Wednesday when Paige did this talk, when she taught this, it was her, tw- I think it was her 20th wedding anniversary. And so she used the analogy between she and her husband quite a bit. Really? So you'll appreciate it if you if you watch it. Um, and the other thing that this talk taught me is was just how much the scriptures meant to Jesus. Yes. And it's it's just it is it's just incompatible and it's inconsistent to be able to set aside scripture and it not be important to you mm-hmm. and say that you love Jesus. Those two things cannot coexist and she yeah. has all of the backing to show that. Yeah. He treated scripture as trustworthy yes. and true. Yeah. Right. How could yeah. we do less? Right. And the yeah. two narratives that, that you've talked about mm-hmm. are just, they're just false and people yep. just don't understand. The textual tradition we have yep. is more solid than any other book from the ancient world, yes. number one. True. And number two, this idea of the Bible being full of contradictions, mm-hmm. when you really dig down, they're it's not there. Not, yeah. They're not there. Yeah. So trust the word of God today yes, and let yes. him show his love mm-hmm. to you 
in the words of Scripture. So I FaceTime with the girls. My girls are in London. They're literally doing a trip of a lifetime. They're doing London, headed to France. Uh, actually, I think they're headed to France today. They're in France for several days. They're going to Disney Paris. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you all that. Nope. Um, yeah. And that's what Haley, Abby's birthday was in May. We all went to you know brunch after church on Abby's birthday. And, and Haley had done like a homemade, it was really cute, a, a Disney two tickets to Disney Paris, and that's what she gave Abby for her birthday. So they're doing that towards the end of the week. How fun. And then, ironically, Haley's birthday is this Saturday, so this is going to be the first birthday ever in her whole life that I've ever not been with her on her birthday. Mm. So that's that's different. But they went to church. They went to Hillsong London. Uh, they went to church on Sunday. Then they cool. went to high tea. I wasn't jealous. <sighs> I know. I was not jealous until I saw... The tea pictures. Yes. And even when I was on the on FaceTime with them, they they called and they're sending me pictures as they're talking and they're describing it. And I guess it was it's almost like a department store. And at the top of this department store is right. this tea room. And Abby sent me video. And it's just absolutely it's just beautiful. And it's dress up. You had to have reservations. I mean, I was a little jealous of that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I got the picture of the tea, mm-hmm. and then Haley texted and said, "Is it uh, English breakfast tea or Earl Grey that you like?" I said, yeah. "Well, it's it's English breakfast tea in the morning and Earl Grey in the afternoon for me." But that that's yeah. just my little quirk. But they were at high tea, and I got a yeah. picture with the menu, which mm-hmm. was which was fun. They Crazy. are having the we trip actually, of a lifetime. They are. We took my mother-in-law several years ago mm-hmm. to tea at a tea house in Louisiana. Yeah. That's, but it was a very British tea house. And that's yeah. why there used to be a, a tea room that we went to. I don't know if it's still. Actually, I think the three of us even went there and did, did. a tea talk at one point. Yeah. But I need to find another one, you know, to even to take my mom to. Um, but it's so funny, too, because obviously a mom, them being so far away, you know, it's like, are y'all in a safe area? All that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is telling you how well, because Haley's just, you know, she's just telling me, and this and this, brr, 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 and this tells you how well my girls know me, Abby, in this particular case. So Haley's Haley's talking to me on Facetime, and she's like, "Yeah." She goes, "You know, Mom, there's there's no AC, so at some point when you come, we're gonna want to come this time of year." And and it, but it's been fine. We really haven't needed AC because we've propped the window open. And as soon as Haley said, "You know, we've propped the window open," yep, you hear off camera. Mm-hmm. Off and Abby's like, we're on the sixth floor. I mean, <laughs> Haley could not even get it out. And Abby's like, Mom, we're on the sixth floor because she, she, she knew she knew exactly where my brain went to. <laughs> right. What do you mean you're sleeping with the window? Jack the Ripper is yes, from London. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden, Haley pans up to the window mm-hmm. and she goes, Mom. Plus, even if we were on the first floor. This is what I mean by propping over the window. You can barely get a hand yeah. out the yeah. window. It just kind of tilts back a little bit. Yeah. But it was so funny when Haley goes, <laughs> yeah, we've been sleeping with a window propped up. We're on the sixth floor, Mom. <laughs> I mean, she just knew. She just wow. knew. So wow. it's been fun. It's been fun. We're just talking about the fact that Carmen's girls are in London. They're on a trip of a lifetime, sister's trip, taking parts of Europe in. And we figured since they have been in London, and Carmen did mention a few things they've done, we'd call our resident royal expert, Carmen's mom, Mohair, we call her. 
Well, hello, Joy FM. Well, hello, Royal Reporter. (laughs) (laughs) My girls are in London. They texted me at 5 o'clock this morning. I know. I was on the thread. So here's what's so crazy. London, they've been planning for this all year. They decided this in March, and they've just been planning and saving all year. So they're on this trip. London is five hours ahead of where we are. So Mother is correct (laughs) at 5 o'clock this morning. It's 10 a.m. in London, right. and they are doing the royal portion of their trip. Mm-hmm. And so we wake up this morning to a picture of Kensington Palace. There it is. My mom immediately replies, <laughs> this is where William and Kate lived. Just moved to Windsor Castle 20 miles from Buckingham Palace. I said, so cool. Mom, why did they move? And so mother replies back. To be closer to the children's school, move to Adelaide Cottage Estates, not far from Kensington Castle. Cottage is four-bedroom house. Cottage next to Winter Castle, 20 miles from Buckingham. George, 10. Charlotte, 8. Lewis, 5. (laughs) Who needs a tour guide? Right. Exactly. I'd be great at being a tour guide, wouldn't I? You know, when they lived in Kensington Palace, they had an apartment, but it was actually a 20-room apartment. Now, do you call it an apartment with 20 rooms and apartment? No. <laughs> but anyway, they were talking about how, how big it was, building. and they were actually downsizing to this cottage, and it's a four-bedroom. But anyway, yeah, they the kids' schools are closer to this cottage. But, you know, they, they got castles and homes and, and all kinds of stuff. They've moved all over the place. You know, we're going to be going shopping on Friday. Should we pack up and move to the other house so we'll be closer to the store? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just think it would be hilarious, though, if you were hired to be a tour guide in London. <laughs> they would be so confused. Yes, because she doesn't have the accent. Well, she's got an accent that is so far <laughs> away from. How does this country bumpkin know more about us than we do? <laughs> That is funny. That's uh, funny. Haley texted me. She says, can you give us a video of the royals, you know, their titles and where they live and all this kind of stuff? Well, that all have the length of your arm titles. I right. mean, they're Duke and Duchess of this and then the uh, Prince and Princess of this. They've just got titles on top of titles. But mm-hmm. anyway, Camilla and, and Charles, King Charles, mm-hmm. their main residence is Buckingham Palace. Yeah. But of course they've got two or three other houses. Mm-hmm. And she's called uh wait, I wrote it down, wait a minute. <laughs> Where do you write these things down, mother? <laughs> I keep a notebook for important stuff. <laughs> she's I... called Queen Corn Consort. No wait, isn't it Cornwall? Okay. Well who's Cornwall? The Duchess of Cornwall. Well now William's Queen. got that title. They used to be uh Duchess and, and of Cornwall, but now William and Kate have Duke and uh, Duchess of Cornwall, Cornwall, and then they're Prince and Princess of Wales. Did you know that Kate's a year older than William? I didn't know she was older. I did know. I do remember that, that she's a year older. Mm -hmm. She's 41 and he's 40 now. Well, now we're (laughs) not, you you don't ask a woman and you don't tell a royal's age. I just, (laughs) she and her hair just did. Oh, and I told the girls, you remember the TV show Downton Abbey? Yep, yep. It's only like 45 miles from where they are. They can take a train and go. It's High Clare Castle. Yes. I saw some company for like fifty nine ninety nine. I could be a landed knight. 
Nice. Well, Mohair, you're our you're our resident Royals expert, so we had to call you. Yep. It must be fun for you just watching your granddaughters get to oh get to gosh. do this. They went to uh, like a coffee shop, but it's a tea shop. They went yeah. to high yeah, tea. Yeah, they had high tea. Bill, you would enjoy that too, wouldn't you? I would, yes. A little fancier than Starbucks. <laughs> All right, Mom, we love you. We just wanted to call and check in with oh, you. Okay. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. That is Torrin Wells. Crazy about you here on the morning cruise at the Joy FM. I uh, had a brief moment on Friday to get an update from Torrin about uh, life in general. One of the things that uh, he talked about was the church plant that's going on yeah. right now in Texas. I mean, a lot of people might not know about that day. He's starting yeah. a church. He and some friends of his, they talked about it. Well, was it a year ago? Maybe we yeah. went to when lunch. He was, well, yeah. He was actually in the studio. It was in between songs. Yeah. I, 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 this is probably his last record, but anyway, I just remember him being in between songs and he's like, guys, by the way, because I think I was talking about his house. They just yeah. bought a house and, in Houston. And he goes, and I think we're about to sell it. And, and I said, y'all, yeah, yes. He, he, anyway, he just said in between songs, he goes, yeah, I think one and I are moving to Austin to start a church. And then he yeah. told us the whole story behind Whitestone. And yeah. that was super cool and yeah. all that. Then we uh, we went to lunch after that. And he, he elaborated even more. It's obvious that it was even then that his heart was really towards planning this church. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Friday, he was talking about the response they've had in the area and uh, just the, the RSVPs that have come back from people who are saying they're going to be attending the first real service. Mm-hmm. They did a thing out on the square, or mm-hmm. I guess it's the the town square or the circle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it. It's apparently like the third or fourth best in the country. He said, I don't know who goes around checking all the town squares to see who's got the best one, but apparently they do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they had like 4,000 people come out to like an initial so, service. Yeah. And, so uh, amazing. Uh, they're, That's they're not expecting normal. A lot. No. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. He calls and it the, uh, the the church that CCM built uh. because he <laughs> yeah, understands. His influence. Well, I'm so glad you got to talk to him. Um, he just, even just the other day on Instagram, we talked about this already, but just, just seeing him baptize people, mm-hmm. all the people that were being baptized and also to Austin, that area, you know, in Austin, Texas, it, it, it needs, yeah. it needs a, a good church. And it needs a really good church. I, I, I meant to ask and we ran out of time, but mm-hmm. I wanted, he could do either lead worship or preach. And I'm wondering if he's going to do a little bit of both. Mm. I imagine he'll I, preach. He'll preach. He'll <laughs> well, I, someone else say preaching that. comes pretty easy. Every but time I've yeah. seen him lead worship too. I, that I've had yeah. a chance to just talk with him just casually. Yep. If we were riding to lunch somewhere or something like that, he mm-hmm. wants to talk about scripture. Yep. About theology. Yep. yep. About church. Yep. And, I mean, he loves the local church. He does. And you, you know, you're, you're thankful for a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. And man, oh. Oh, solid when he talks to. Yes, he is. He's the best. He's so good. I saw this story the other day. This actually happened on Sunday, and it made me wonder. We fly together a lot, you and I and Carmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad this has never happened with us. We've flown mostly. <gasps> oh, there she goes. She's probably. She, I haven't it even or read got it to the story. Uh, yet. Is it you- breaking news or? No, I read this yesterday and it was on the news last night. 
Are you talking about what I think you're talking about, the Pacific Northwest? No, this is not the Pacific Northwest. This happened to JFK. Okay, you tell yours and I'll tell mine. Okay. Mine's awful. <laughs> Here's the thing. We fly mostly on uh, the the typical type jet. I mean, right. the, we're flying from, you know, Florida to Georgia, Florida to, to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Usually we're on a, a, a jet that's got a couple of hundred people on it. Right. It's good a, size jet. A Boeing 777 or something right. like that. Something like that. 757. But from time to time, for example, from Dallas to Waco several years ago, we were on Ugh. a little puddle jumper. Mm. And when you get on those little puddle jumpers, you know when the every now and then when, JR and I thought we were we were we were we were getting our lives right with right. the Lord because we thought we were going to It was a little turbulent, <laughs> so much so that on the flight back from Waco to <laughs> Dallas, they decided to drive instead. Literally. And almost beat us back to Dallas. Uh-huh. We did. But uh, here's the thing. Those little commuter planes, you know, the attendant will sometimes come over, and I've had this happen to me just when I was flying by myself. Uh, uh-huh. Sir, could you move over to the other side of the yes. plane? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. We're trying to balance the weight balance distribution. The weight. Right, right. Ugh. Because that yeah. is a concern, especially on smaller planes. Well, this was actually a plane. Uh, Flight 662 from Bridgetown, Barbados, came into JFK, and when they landed, there had been a little shift, apparently, in some of the uh, uh, cargo, perhaps it was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody just got up to go to the bathroom in the back all at the same time, (laughs) but whatever it was, when they rolled up to the gate, the plane Uh tilted back at about 30 degrees. Whoa! Uh Nose up. Yep, just nose up. Wow. Wow. Think about that for a second. Yes, <laughs> oh. I'm thinking. I'm visualizing. You know, it's like you, you, you can't get up out of your seat at that point and walk normally down the aisle. Nope. Mm-hmm. You're you're kicked back at a nice recliner level at that point. Yeah, and you didn't pay for it either. No, <laughs> you and, got the recliner seats. I mean, I've got a picture of it right here, and the the front landing gear is mm. about I don't know eight ten feet in the air, wow. and they're just wow. sitting there at the gate. 30 degrees back. Oh, my goodness. They said that it was due to a shift in weight and balance during deep planing. Mm. Oh. They eventually did get the plane to level out. There were no injuries <laughs> to passengers reported. They were able to get everybody <laughs> off the plane. And then they did probably the smartest thing they've done. What? They took the airplane out of service for inspection. It's yeah. like, yes, how did yes. this happen and yes. how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? Right. But that just goes to show that when they ask you to move to, Listen you to know, them. distribute the weight, mm-hmm. they mean it. You know, mm. you don't want to be sitting there and you taxi up to the gate. The jetway comes out. They go to attach and you, all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and it's like you're on the roller coaster going up the again. hill, you know. It's like the kickstand broke or something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> minutes ago i was mentioning the jet blue flight that tilted back 30 degrees at jfk while they uh taxied up to the gate that's so wild you know you don't see jets popping wheelies all that often so that was strange <laughs> but before i could even get to the story i just mentioned that we flew together a lot in carmen in mm. anticipation <laughs> as a gasper we've already talked about that <laughs> 
she <gasps> she that was a that was a full on gas. Yes. Oh yes. And then you were anticipating a story. What story were you thinking? I, this is what I thought the story. This is what I thought you were about to tell. And I saw this yesterday afternoon when I was in my office, just you know, because I have those little ticker things on my phone. And then last night, Pete and I were watching the news, and they had it on the news last night. And this is Alaskan Airlines, and there was that there was an off-duty pilot. I don't know if y'all saw this story or not. There was an off-duty pilot who tried to shut down the engines. Yes, look at Bill's face. Exactly. What? That's why I gasped. He's been charged. He's been charged with eighty-three counts of attempted. You know, hate to use the word on the show because you got, you know, kids in the car, but attempted, you know, you know what he's charged with. And here's what happens. So you have your pilot, you have your co-pilot, and there's a jump seat in the cockpit. Right. And a lot of times off-duty pilots will sit in that jump suit. Jump suit. Jump, jump seat. seat. Yeah. Jump seat. And so clearly this man is, I mean, mentally something is going on so during the flight so this is alaska airlines they're flying from uh washington everett washington this is on sunday Mm -hmm. down to san francisco they had to be diverted i think to portland is what the story said because during mid flight mid flight mid flight he reached over tried to shut down the engines Praise the Lord, the pilot was able to, the co-pilot was able to grab him. There was never any interruption. He didn't, you know, get to the button or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They had to call the flight attendants and get him out of the cockpit, clearly. They had to subdue him. Um, I didn't listen to the, the recordings, but they even had a couple of the recordings in the story that I'd seen yesterday of the pilot calling, you know, the towers and just saying, you know, We've got to land. We've got to right. land. We've got to get him off board. And then the they did say this in the story that the pilot said, I want law enforcement waiting for us when we land. Yes. Here's where we're landing. So obviously they were there. The law enforcement took him away. Mm. But uh, here is this is what's so crazy is here is a, a not that all pilots know each other and, you know, and all the airlines, but I would imagine, you know, quite a few that you work with. So just assuming that these pilots knew him. He's part of the regular rotation. He's sitting in the cockpit with them. I mean, this is someone you think that you can trust. Well, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, oh. oh, my goodness. But there were obviously no injuries. Everyone was fine. I yeah. don't even know that the, I don't, I mean, it's probably just people in the front row when they're seeing, pulling him out of the cockpit. Sure. You know, some of the passengers, maybe none the wiser. Um, but praise God for those, the pilot and the co-pilot. And can you imagine if that guy had been piloting the plane? I mean, Lord have mercy. Now I'm, I can't talk about it anymore because my yeah, children Yeah, I'm are... glad they got him at the right time. Hey, since you're <laughs> yes. telling that story, did you see this was about a week ago? There was a uh, Southwest pilot that came out of the, of the cockpit and asked for his two flight attendants to join him up in the front and asked for an older man who was there to stand up and he was the dad who trained this pilot uh-huh. whose two daughters were the flight attendants. Okay, so And back his up. younger daughter, it was her first day as a flight attendant. And they're all on board this, I believe okay, it was so a Southwest say that, flight. I want to track it again. It so was about was a week a ago. Pilot, yeah. He came out. Yeah, the and pilot so the guy came out. who trained him. Yep. Asked a man, man to stand up and his two flight okay. attendants. They're all in the front right there. And he said, I just want to let you guys, I want to share with our 
our our passengers yeah. today. Yeah. This is the man who mentored me as a pilot. Oh. These are his daughters. Yeah. And this this one, the younger one, uh, it's her uh-huh. first day <gasps> as a flight attendant. Wow. Aww, so they had a little celebration cool. on board that's the so plane. Cool. There. I'm glad you ended us on a happier note me too. because that other was. Now you know why I gasp though. Yes. Now you know why I gasp. Yes, and my story was much better than yours. <laughs> Pilots and people like that are smart people. And -hmm. if you think of geniuses, who comes to mind? Einstein. Sure. People like Einstein, Nikola Tesla, maybe. uh, My three kids. Your your three kids. uh, uh, People like Leonardo da Vinci and and others. These are geniuses in our world. Do you ever put Jesus in the category of genius? Peter Williams says you should. In fact, he has just written a book that I don't have. It's not released yet but I can't wait for it to be released. The Surprising Genius of Jesus, What the Gospels Reveal About the Greatest Teacher. And here's what he says. He says, I I would argue that Jesus should be considered a genius, not merely because a vast number of people today claim to follow him, but also because of the cleverness and wisdom of his teaching. The teaching attributed to him combines impressive factual knowledge with even more impressive depth of insight coherence and simplicity. That's one of the marks of genius, by the way. Sure. Is it's often not recognized. There's a lot of guys, you know, like like myself who who are intellectually curious. And I have a, a, a curiosity there, but sometimes I can't translate that in a way that puts it on the bottom shelf, if you will. That everybody could understand no matter what level they come to. I can speak with other academically minded people quite easily, but not mm-hmm. with, not, not always. And that's the mark of a genius is somebody who mm-hmm. can take a very amazingly difficult concept and bring it to a level where anyone mm-hmm. can understand it. Mm-hmm. Peter Williams goes on and argues. He said, there's only a couple possibilities here. Either he had super genius disciples. If you count the gospels as credible records, which there's probably Peter Williams is a, a leading world expert on that subject. If you count the Gospels as credible, then either his disciples were geniuses and they just pointed to him, or maybe he was a smart teacher with really smart disciples, or maybe his disciples were just ordinary people, like fishermen. Mm -hmm. And he was able to teach them things that they would then turn around and teach that would change the world. And that's the genius Mm -hmm. of Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's a passage in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about business people. And I just pulled it up here from Luke chapter 16, can't give the context, but he says, it's true, this is uh, Jesus' teaching here, that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. And that was not a compliment. Jesus does not call us to a simplistic faith, an ignorant faith. He calls us to inform our faith to grow in our faith, even though our faith is simple at base. It's so simple that a child can understand it, but yet it's so deep and rich that you'll exhaust the rest of your life trying to understand and learn about your faith. Mm-hmm. So I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, commend you to, to, to reading. But I, there's one other takeaway from this conversation, and it's from the Old Testament. It says this, and this is one of my favorite scriptures. And if we really trust that God is smarter than we are, then we should believe this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight 
your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It was really pretty a few days ago. The weather had cooled down a little bit and just, I don't know, just a nice cool breeze. And one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things to do when it gets pretty like that is to get my my phone, my, my AirPods, and just go for a long walk and listen to a podcast or listen to a sermon. And whenever I run across sermons, I try to keep them in my notes section or I'll either screenshot like who's recommending them and I'll just go back and find one of one of these. And I did it last last week when the girls were getting ready to, you know, fly out and I was a little nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk and listen to a sermon. And this is one I've had flagged for a couple of weeks and it's by a, a pastor. His name's Robert Madu. He is the pastor of Social Dallas. He was actually, I've, 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 I don't follow him, but I've heard about him for several years, and I've heard a couple of his messages. And he was at our revival nights uh, last month at church, and I'm telling you, he brought the house down. I like a lot of different types of preaching styles, and he's just, he has got this great ability to take a passage in the Bible, and, and what do you call it when it's, when you take it line by line, uh, ex, uh, what is it? Expositional yeah. preaching. Okay. Um, he does a little bit of that where he just basically takes the text and just goes through it. And he pulls out things that you just would never think about. Of course, he's hilarious. So if you, if you got me laughing, you got me. Um, just theologically, just solid, solid, solid. So I'm listening to this, the, the sermon title is what grabbed my attention. And here's what it's called. It took a woman to win. And he's preaching about JL. I'm not going to go through oh, yeah. the whole I'm not going to go through the whole the whole story, but oh my word, if your sister listening this morning, I've already sent the <laughs> the clip to or the 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 YouTube link to Hitch to post at the morning cruise dot com but the whole this is the whole message of the sermon is is that we don't get to choose in which he says it so much better than I do but we don't get to choose who God will use because God will use whoever he wants and he just really drilled home that fact and and lifted that whole passage um you know just just the text and it's one of those things where I know that story now in scripture Inside and out because mm-hmm. of the way he just broke it down. Yeah. Uh, so if you're at a, I don't know, if you're a woman, first of all, listen to it. But it's just, it was a great reminder that, you know, God will use, he truly will use whoever he wants. And we don't, we don't get to choose and speak into that. And God has, he uses, you know, he uses anybody, however he wants to. And what's the other scripture? He'll use the, the, to confound the wise, he'll use oh, the, the foolishness what? of the world the to confound the wise, right? Well, and he yeah. used Balaam's donkey. That's always a yes, great and, example he, and you know what? Old he Testament. talks about yes, he talks <laughs> about this in uh, in this sermon, and then he even told he even just even talked about the sweet story of you know the little boy, the mom of the little boy with the fishes and the loaves, and hmm. um, it's just it's it's super super encouraging. Uh, he's just he. He's got a wonderful gift. He's married, um, has three kids, but I just I think you'll really really enjoy this. And if you're especially if you're in if you're in a place 
in your faith where it's like, God, are you using me? And Lord, am, you know, my, my, my life just feels so mundane. I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over. He pulls that all together to bring JL to the moment that, you know, that God called on her um, because of, because of, you know, what, what her life looked like. So anyway, it took a woman to win Robert Madu, pastor in Dallas. The link, if you're interested, is at themorningcruise.com. Okay, this is going to be a stupid question, but I need y'all to help me. So I am, the girls are leaving London today. Yeah. And they're headed to Paris for the, you know, next part of their trip. And so obviously I have them on Find My Friends and I check it often since they've been, I don't check it often when they're here, but since they've been gone, I've definitely checked it. So I know they're taking the train. They're on the train now from London to Paris, but there's water. I'm literally watching them right now. Yeah. There is water called the English Channel. That's Uh true. Yes. Before they get over into France. Uh Uh-huh. So... What's about to happen to my kids? <laughs> well, I would imagine well, they're going to they're going to go through the How tunnel. Is, yeah, I've heard of that tunnel. Is that where it is? Yeah, under the English how, Channel. How? Okay. How How long is this? In how many? It's miles a little longer than than say the tunnel in Mobile Bay. Okay, I you know that's where I went. To school. Oh, I know that's okay. why I've given you that reference. It's so, it's a bit longer than that one. I didn't know there was a tunnel in Mobile Bay. So they have you so never the traveled I ten? No. Yes, there is a tunnel. Not there, a not tunnel that there. far west. Yes. Oh. Yeah, there is. Interesting. So they literally are about to go underwater. Uh, yeah. How is it safe? Well, it's <laughs> been used for years now, so I would assume. How it's... do you build a tunnel under the ocean? Well, this the same like way a... you build one under Mobile Bay, one brick at a time. Wow. Okay, I missed that detail. Oh, wow. It's going to freak me out here in a couple minutes when I'm looking at them on Find My Friends and their two little faces that shows me where they are are in the water. That's not going to be. My kids, when they were little, every time we traveled through Mobile and went through the tunnel, the little game they would play is they would hold their breath when we hit the tunnel and Uh try and hold it all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not Ooh. that difficult. You got to hold your breath for a good while. It's it's yeah. It's probably it's less than a minute, but you got to get through that tunnel and if the traffic's bad then you'll turn blue, but Oh, yeah. Let's just say that you don't want to try holding your breath through the tunnel. I don't think they'll make it. Yeah. Well, they're getting real close to the edge here. I'm watching them on on my phone. Okay, I'm going to go Google how long is the English would I say the English tunnel? No, the channel. The channel. Oh, the channel. That's what it's they call the it. Channel. It's the tunnel through under the channel. the channel. The tunnel under the channel is called the channel. Yeah. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have safely moved through that over the years. Yes. Many, How many, many years. And thousands and thousands English? of gallons of water right above them. No, it's, it, uh, it's 348 miles. Oh. Carmen is researching the channel. <laughs> And although the English Channel may be 348 miles, the channel itself does not cross at the widest point. So No, no, no. no. I think it's 23 miles long, but you're only underwater for about 13 minutes. So, hey, the more you know. Well, that's good. That's good. So you can breathe. (laughs) Yes, 13 minutes. Or hold your breath. Not for 13 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a while since I told a good fish story. 
because I haven't done a lot of fishing since the kids were young. They've all grown and moved out of the house, and I sold the boat and so forth. But this was this is one to write home about. It just happened. It was on the news last night in Texas. They say everything's bigger in Texas. I think I believe them. Uh, this guy, Art Weston, goes out fishing with Kirk Kirkland. He's the guide and captain of the boat. He hooks onto a fish. He's fishing for bass. Now, you don't use big, heavy tackle when you're fishing for bass. Not usually, no. In fact, he's using a light, probably spinning spinning rod, spinning reel, and he he casts out for bass. He gets a bite, and pretty soon he realizes this is a good bit larger than a fish that I might expect to catch. Turns out he landed an almost 300-pound alligator gar that's a freshwater fish that oh, has yeah. the uh, the snout kind of in the shape of an alligator yeah. but it's a, okay. it's a gar it's a type of fish ugly looking fish it is very ugly it's a trash fish too yeah he so pulled... i shouldn't i shouldn't google it well you can google it if you want it it's, yeah but if it's ugly it's a fish that looks like an alligator that's not a pretty mm-hmm. fish and mm-hmm. you can't eat it nope but you can sure have fun trying to catch it 300 pounds. 283 pounds, which is a world record. It's the all-tackle world record, which is the heaviest fish ever caught of that species. So he broke that record. Yeah. He broke the record of six-pound test line, which if you don't know what that means, that means that this is fishing line that's pretty thin, that if you put more than six pounds of pressure on it, it could break. Right. Huh. So So he he used... Six-pound line yeah. to pull in a 300-pound fish. Yes. Yep. How did that happen? Carefully. Yeah, you have to know how to work the fish. You have to have a good wow. captain that can move the boat with the fish. So keep about three huh. or four pounds of pressure on the line at all times. And mm. it probably took a long time. I, I didn't see imagine. anything about how long it took. But they broke the line class record and several other records in the state of Texas. They actually weighed it. Um, so it was 283 pounds, 100 inches long. 48 inches around, and here's the here's the cool thing, too, if, even if you're not into fishing. This fish was probably around 100 years old. So they were able to catch, get the measurements, certify it with an IGFA uh, certified guide, and then release the fish safely. I saw it on video swim back into uh, Lake Sam Rayburn in Texas. I can't even imagine that's a lifetime story, fish yeah. story for for kids and grandkids Oof. alike. That when amazing. we went bass fishing with my dad, if we saw gar in the area, we'd leave and go fish somewhere else. Yeah. Because hmm. they just, they eat everything. They're a pain and they have mm. sharp teeth, if I recall. Mm. Very only, sharp only teeth. Only caught one ever. Yeah. But it's... yeah, you don't want them, but <laughs> that must have been quite a shock. Fishing for bass and you get a 283-pound alligator gar. From fish to fowl, I don't know if y'all heard this story, but bird flu is back. This is not Mm. good. This is Mm. in Iowa, and it's hit a couple of farms in Iowa. This um, HPAI, highly pathogenic avian influenza or bird flu, uh, last year killed 58 million chickens. Wow. 58 million? million last year in Europe and the United States. So that would be... But sad. it was responsible, at least in part, and I know that there are many different opinions, theories, and ways of thinking about this, but the egg prices that were up, mm. at least in part, was yeah. due to, to that. And I was sad to see this year 
that these two farms um, and then a couple of others in other states could affect about 500,000 birds this year. Hmm. So, um, you know, I'm honestly praying for our farmers. It's yeah. got to be not helpful for them to go through this. And We're coming up on turkey season, too. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully the turkey prices will stay down as we get ready to collect <laughs> Hopefully a few thousand turkeys in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama for T-shirts for turkeys. And so far, it's not as bad. They did catch it. Poultry products are fully safe to eat. This does not affect um, the, the the products, but it, it will it'll be a, a problem for farms. Right. Mm-hmm. It spreads pretty quickly. So um, keep those farmers in your in your prayers because we don't want another thing like last year. No. 47 states affected by it last year. So let's. Uh, well, if let's you got they 58 got really... million less chickens, you're going to have a lot less eggs, which is going to yeah. drive your price up. That's so right. I could see yep. that. Yeah. Right. I anticipated the possibility that I might be a lot sleepier today than uh, normal. Yeah. I have planned to go ahead and stay up to watch Game Seven of the ALCS, Rangers and Astros, and uh, well, let's just say it did not start out well. For the Astros, when in the top of the first inning, they fell behind very quickly. They went through, I think they were on their third pitcher by the second inning, and uh, it was still not looking good. And by the fourth inning, I had pretty much decided, you know what, I can just go ahead and doze off now. Yeah. uh, Because this is not looking good at Mm -hmm. all for Mm -hmm. the Astros. Mm. So I did leave the TV on, just, you know, set the sleep timer, and I figured if I if if something some kind of big commotion wakes me up then i'll know something good is happening and that never happened mm. so there was one thing though that i missed in the 8th inning that i caught this morning when i got up i played a lot of baseball growing up and it was always live pitch there was no coach's pitch there was no pitching machine mm-hmm. there was no t-ball that did not that was not a thing when i was a kid it was yeah. all you know 6 year olds throwing at other six-year-olds. It was just that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got hit by a lot of pitches, and by high school, guys were throwing pretty hard. So I've been hit by some some hard pitches, mm-hmm. but nothing quite like what happened in the eighth inning last night when Chapman okay. hit McCormick with a hundred and four <gasps> mile an hour fastball. Ooh, where did where did he hit? It him? caught him right behind the right knee, which is if you're going to get hit, I mean that's at <sighs> least kind of a fleshy part of yeah. your. It's not a yeah. bone. It's not a joint. I mean, well, it is a joint, but it's not. It's not the moving part of the joint. It's right. not like getting hit in the shin or or the face, know, for goodness uh, sake. Yeah, nothing that's like that. What, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. But still, at 104 miles an hour, yeah. it set yeah. him on the ground for sure. a few minutes, sure, just trying to get back up. And he will have the word "rolling" on the back of his knee for a while. <laughs> a while. There are going to be lace marks. I mean, that's going to be a bruise. Yeah. That yeah. will be a painful reminder of last night's Ooh. loss. Yeah. But Yikes. it was, I saw the video. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't want to get hit by 104 mile an hour anything, uh-huh. but Mm-mm. certainly not a baseball. No. Yeah. So that was that was one of the lowlights for the Astros last night. Bill's big one of the day. Channel. It has to be. Capital C, <laughs> one L, two ends in the middle. Of course, that's a mashup of channel and tunnel, a.k.a. the Euro Tunnel. This is the tunnel between England and France that runs beneath the English Channel. Now, Carmen, these facts are from Encyclopedia mm. Britannica, so I feel pretty confident about the source. 31 miles long. 
That's mm-hmm. how long it is. Used for freight and passenger traffic. Trains travel as fast as 100 miles per hour in the tunnel. The trip takes about 35 minutes. And the longest undersea portion in the world is the tunnel, 23.5 miles. I think that's what you were seeing earlier. It mm-hmm. opened, by the way, May 6th, 1994. So it's been wow. in use for quite some yeah. time. Is As, that, what, th- almost 30 years? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Here's a sentence with the big word of the day. As we speak, Carmen's daughters are in the tunnel on their way to France. Big word of the day today, capital C, tunnel. This is the morning cruise.